This episode of Where To Begin With will feature heavy spoilers of the movie Man Bites Dog from 1994. If you've never seen the movie before and you want to take part in this series by sending and submitting in a review, then please press stop on this episode. Go away, check out the movie and take part. However, if you've seen the movie before or you just generally don't give a shit, then continue listening on. Don't say you weren't warned. Il y a un barème quand tu le laisses d'un cœur, c'est-à-dire tu fais trois fois son poids, normalement un homme moyen, comme cette victime-ci, c'est trois fois son poids. Mais sinon, par exemple, ça change, hein, tu as pour les enfants, pour les nains, ça change. Pour un enfant, c'est... il est plus léger, un enfant, hein. c'est deux fois son poids, c'est quatre fois son poids. Comment Non, non, parfois, par exemple, pour les nains, c'est une fois son poids, c'est beaucoup plus lourd. Hein. Les os sont beaucoup plus lourds chez un nain, donc c'est une fois le poids. Une vieille dame, par exemple, ou un vieil homme, cinq fois le poids. Les os sont poreux déjà. Hein. L'amour, elle laisse comme une traînée de soufre derrière lui, comme une odeur qui traîne. Et que malgré tout, dès que tu rencontres quelqu'un, tu sens, un peu comme quand tu vas pisser et que tu sens tes doigts. Alors, zoom sur ta machine. Tu vois, généralement, au début de mois, je me paye un petit facture. Hein. Je me lève le matin et je prends un matinée pour récolter les pensions. Ce qui me permet, par la même occasion, tu vois, de de repérer les, les vieux qui ont de l'argent. Hein. Nous sommes une équipe de télévision oui. et nous effectuons un reportage sur les vieilles personnes et la solitude oui. dans les grandes cités. Oui. Auriez-vous l'obligeance de répondre à quelques questions, s'il vous plaît Moi, je veux bien. Éteins un peu ta lumière. <rire> Coupe ça, imbécile and welcome back to Where To Begin With. This is season two, episode number 10. This is the penultimate episode in the season proper. This is the final episode that I will be reviewing a movie. The final episode making its way to you in December will feature, and it'll be a much shorter episode, will feature reviews of the movie that we're discussing on this episode, but those reviews will be delivered by you guys, the listeners. On this season, we have been looking at full documentaries, mockumentaries and filmed footage movies, and we've had a ball going through them. I've tried to pick off some of the quote-unquote classics. I've went down some stranger avenues, bringing you movies that maybe are slightly off the beaten track, and I've also went for the slightly unconventional. This final movie that I've selected for us here it's difficult to say that it doesn't tick all those boxes, but yet it holds a lofty reputation within genre film fandom, as well as just in general, its prominence and impact on cinema as a whole. The movie we're discussing is Man Bites Dog. This is kind of part full documentary, part mockumentary, and in parts found footage as well. It's kind of an amalgam of everything that we've covered thus far, all rolled into one. Not only that, it actually ticks most of the boxes of all the stuff we've talked about as well, minus anything supernatural in nature. This has all the the elements of the we're going to do something oh it's taken a different direction oh before we know it, we're in too far and can't get out 
Um, a lot of the humour that we found in some of those uh, mockumentaries before, whether it was something like Fear of a Black Cat or even Troll Hunter to an extent. But also, this one is weirdly ahead of its time, like a lot of the movies within the genre tend to be. I don't think without a movie like this, you don't get a movie like Creep. You certainly don't get a movie like um, Leslie Vernon's uh, Behind the Mask. You don't get a movie like that without a movie like this. The central premise is we are a film crew following a serial killer. Now, this serial killer is loud and proud about what he does, and our documentary filmmakers are along for the ride. They are, at first, um, kind of passively observing like good documentarians do, not getting involved. But as the... As the movie continues on and the events ramp up even more, the documentary filmmakers, like the audience themselves, become complicit in the crimes. So it's weirdly satirical and at times hellishly smart. It is a movie which is tackling the similar sort of subject matter, which is more grimly put forward to something like Michael Haneke's Funny Games, in that it is actively portraying you, the audience, as complicit with the crimes that happen on the screen because you're watching it for your entertainment. There's also a part of it that is looking at society as a whole, like the way that media is being consumed, the way that entertainment was being consumed in the mid-90s was starting to lean towards reality television. It was before you would have things like Big Brother, uh, which would really kick the doors off the hinges, but it's certainly leaning towards that way as well, about, look, this could be potentially classed as entertainment. There's a wonderful mockumentary which almost made my picks here, which was uh, Series 9, The Contenders, which I highly recommend you check out if you've never checked it out before. It's a British film. came out in, I want to say it was like 2000, 2001, about that time period. And it covers a similar sort of idea, except for the entertainment, it's like the next level above this. There is a TV show where a lottery system picks, kind of almost actually Battle Royale-esque, picks a group of strangers, uh, arms them, and they have to kill each other, and the person that wins survives. And you're on to series nine by the time you join the movie. But it's all classes entertainment. It's been filmed and shown to you know, the general populace that, you know, have a TV subscription or whatever to be able to see as entertainment, which is kind of what is happening here on some level. This documentary is always going to be, I mean, at first you kind of have to think to yourself, well, who would make a documentary like this? And these guys, it feels like a kind of almost like a uni slash kind of college project of some description uh, that's just grown arms and legs. By the time they are actively getting involved with the killing, you know, the, the the horses bolted from the stables. And there's nothing you can do to really get it back. Our main antagonist slash protagonist, because he's he is lovable to an extent, but also a horrifically violent character, um, starts off with a kind of almost like a kind of more laxed Dexter sort of rules to the, 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 the code that he has of serial killing. And it runs right off the rails by the end. Things become very over the top. There's conflicting serial killers involved, uh, conflicting film crews. Um, we have a lot of the tropes and trappings that you would find in later kind of mockumentaries. But Man Bites Dog does it kind of first and does it, I would argue, best. 
it is weirdly believable in parts um and whilst being funny it does take turns where things get pretty grim and the juxtaposition between violence and entertainment is quite stark and that i mean in itself is is kind of almost paying homage to one of the forefathers of the found footage genre as a whole um our full documentary footage as a whole cannibal holocaust which was a movie that reveled in not only showing you real on-screen violence but also showing you fake violence and the way that your brain struggles to differentiate after being presented with quite a lot of it between what is real and what is fake and this movie to an extent it lulls you in with comedic moments to forgetting that this movie is actually quite dark and sinister at its core and the more you kind of smile at his terrible jokes and some of the the faux pas that he carries out on screen when those moments of violence strike in as a as a, a swift kick to the testicles to remind you that yeah this guy is a killer after all and we should be wary of him i think one of its biggest enduring legacies overall is it's made for very little money. It's a French film that's shot in black and white to save cost. Um, it has a kind of lo-fi feel about it. A very punk rock feel about it overall. It even finishes with a punk rock song. And I think there's, a, in a lot of respects, that ethos, that mentality, that dangerousness of it, that anti-film establishment nature of the movie is kind of what has endured its legacy. I think there are other movies that have come out since then that have tried to do things in the wheelhouse of A Man Bites Dog with more money that aren't memorable. And the reason they aren't memorable is they don't have that cavalier attitude that the filmmakers employ on this one. I've heard people say that they think it's too long. I don't. I like find the journey and the descent of this character to be hugely entertaining. Um, if not, absolutely fucking grim. And it leaves you with an ending which is for all intents and purposes, fairly dark as well. And I, I kind of enjoy that. I think it, it, it kind of almost weirdly stands as the the weird poster child of how to do a movie like this well. And if you're talking about movies just in general that have very little budget, it does a whole lot for so little. Um, the reason I picked it as my final one, well, I mentioned it at the start. I think this one weirdly is a kind of Rosetta Stone for a lot that came after it. And it also focuses... Um, a lot of what came before. We all sit and remember that Blair Witch is the first big breakout movie in the found footage genre, you know, full documentary genre, that would even then still take about a decade to find a proper foothold and become popular through paranormal activity. But the assumption of thinking, well, purely this is a Blair Witch thing that kicks it all off, disregards The Last Broadcast, which was a movie that came out six months before and kind of did a lot of the same things, although the premise of that is much more on the documentary. Uh, a lot of people just don't think out with the, the kind of American film establishment that there are other things going on. We've covered uh, No Roy the Curse came out in 2005. Up until recently, people weren't talking about that movie. So when Paranormal Activity came out, it was a case of all hands on deck, someone's reinvented the genre. But it was happening in between. Movies like the Poughkeepsie Tapes, which were essentially banned until recently, are other examples of that, you know, of things where people were trying to push the boundaries. But it's ultimately the next big Hollywood movie that's going to spur things on man bites dog doesn't have that behind it but does have a movie which is in the criterion catalog 
and they don't just give away that shit. That's like you know that is a badge of honor and quality. So yeah, Manbite Dog final movie. I hope you enjoy it. I look forward to checking out your thoughts on it. Um, you'll have a little bit of time to get your reviews in for this one. Uh, with the season running slightly behind, the last episode will land in December. Yeah, right for the end of the year. So that's my thought on the movie. Like I say, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Man Bites Dog. But we have some business to get to, ladies and gents. We have to turn our attention to the previous month's movie, which I had as Noroi the Curse. We have a couple of reviews in here from listeners, so let's get to it, shall we? The first one is from our buddy Tim Walker, who says, Dear Duncan and Teapot's Collective People, well, this time on Where to Begin With, we head to Japan for their most famous found footage movie, Noroi the Curse. Actually, there aren't many Japanese or Asian found footage flicks in general, at least that I know of. Just a handful. I'd first heard of Noroi the Curse quite a few years ago. It must have been about 2013 or maybe a year or two later. I was tracking down a number of found footage flicks and this name kept popping up in my research. But I found it pretty quickly that Noroi was kind of hard to come by. In fact, I still don't think it has a physical release on DVD or Blu-ray in the States. On that first watch years ago, I was impressed. I hadn't seen a Japanese found footage flick and I was curious if they really understood the format. Found footage isn't really a genre, is it? And they absolutely did. I admit I didn't understand some of it, cultural differences I guess, still I really dug it on a first watch. I'm pretty sure I'd watched it one more time in the intervening years, again not quite understanding all the cultural aspects of the film. I was still very intrigued by the mystery though. On this watch, I found it even more intriguing. It's not every movie that works on repeat views and keeps your interest up, and also continues to creep you out without anything flashier over the top, with the possible exception of some of the acting. I still don't get all of the cultural stuff, maybe like what exactly the pigeons represent for example, but I'm not sure that's a necessity. It's a very creepy and compelling mystery told in a fairly unique way. I guess the American found footage film equivalent is maybe the Bay or something similar. They use different types of footage to tell the story. The only negatives I might have are the movie's a bit long, which is pretty common for Asian movies, and some of the acting is a bit ropey. The crazy psychic with literally a tinfoil hat does chew up a lot of the scenery. The positives far outweigh the negatives though. On my first watch, I'd have given Noroi the Curse a 4 out of 5, but with this watch, I'm going full five stars. Even though I still don't quite fully understand the movie, that's not a negative for me. I just I just still find the movie absolutely entertaining and incredibly creepy. It's become one of my favourite thin footage movies. I believe up next is Man Bites Dog, and that might be interesting. I've seen it, but I have a little fuzzy memory on this one. We'll see how it holds up on another watch. Take care, Duncan and Teapot's Collective Folk, and remember to watch out for the pigeons. Thank you very much, Tim, for that review. Let's turn to our final review, which comes in from David Garrett Jr. And David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Puts Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here, back once again for where to begin with found footage and mockumentaries, and this time around for Norai the Curse. So this is one that I never heard about until I got into listening to horror movie podcasts. 
it would always pop up periodically, especially when you're know, talking about found footage films, and this being an interesting one from Japan. And I know it was pretty hard to find there for a while until it popped up on Shutter here in the States. Now, I was supposed to watch this one. Nobody was actually making me, but I was really kind of trying to do this as I was watching all the movies from the Summer Challenge series from last year, and I actually did not get around to watching this one until like January of this year. And so it's still pretty fresh in my head, so I'm going to go ahead and do this review for you here, Duncan. Now, where I actually want to start would be giving credit to the director of Koji Shiryashi, who also, you know, is uncredited to help write this along with Nayuko Yakoda. This movie seems like your standard Japanese ghost story, but just told in a found footage way, and how intricate the story is and unfolds is what really kind of sucks me in. To delve a bit more into this, I've actually seen quite a few of these ghost type stories from Asian countries and I mean a lot of that is I've seen you know most of the you know the ring and the grudge ones that are actually you know that series over there but they intrigue me for the fact that many of these people are more spiritual some follow more traditional religions but there are quite a few that do not it seems more accepted in this culture that there could be ghosts demons and the supernatural I could be wrong there but I do want to point out that there are skeptics that we get in this movie there are even times where Kobayashi himself doesn't necessarily buy it. We also get to see that when someone goes to interview Mitsuo, that he is being mocked. And he is wearing a tinfoil like hat and outfit this whole movie, so he is a bit comical. When it makes his drop off, the more that we see and how convinced he is about his beliefs, I can see people getting sucked into it for sure. And I mean, we see this over here in the United States where how conspiracy theories can be like a snowball that the farther it goes, the larger it gets. Now, bringing in more of these story elements all back into this movie, I love how the story unfolds. Going found footage makes us feel like we're part of the investigation process. Things are being pulled from a variety of television shows that air in Japan, and they help us to give backstory before they fit it all into a puzzle. This mystery is pieced together in that way. When Kobayashi learns something, he sees that it connects to other things that he's heard or learned, and then it leads us deeper into everything. This is what helps this movie for me as we get the sense of foreboding and dread that just keeps building and building to the climax. It didn't give me the full payoff that I wanted, but it left me uncomfortable for sure. Now, I'm not sure if this would have worked as well if not for the acting and how well they feel natural. Murkai, we follow pretty much this whole time, and I like him as our lead. We learn early that he's inquisitive, so we never really have to worry about him giving up until he finds the truth. I think he fits his role perfectly. Kano is solid in her role as his child psychic. Kunga is creepy when we get to see her. Now, Matsumoto, I thought was cute and really kind of works as well. What is interesting is that what is happening scares her, but as the stakes raise, her fear pushes her to continue to help Kobayashi solve what is happening. I also really like... Jitsunashi. I've already said that he's weird and his outfits helped establish this. What is interesting though is that the more we see the less and less crazy he seems as we can see the connections to things he says to what Kobayashi finds. It is interesting that a lot of the cast is credited as themselves so you know they're legit just using their names and that helps with the realism on top of that which is what you really kind of need if you're going to build as creepy a atmosphere as this found footage film has. What I really should go to next is the elephant in the room when it comes to discussing this movie. There is some CGI that is used here that doesn't look great. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be because I was braced for that. 
it really only comes near the end of the movie, so I'm fine there. And I've seen quite a few of these different types of movies where you might have some effects near the end that don't necessarily hold up as well, but if it's only going to be right there at the end, I can be a bit more forgiving. There are a few times where someone is filming something as well where you might not notice something, but the more you kind of look, it gets creepier. There are one or two times where it took me out of the movie, so I don't know why that person would be filming with Kobayashi not being there or just, you know, wouldn't let him film at that time. Not a huge issue, though. I do buy that Kobayashi and his cameraman would be filming most everything that we get as, you know, that's the whole premise of this whole thing that we're doing here and the project. So in conclusion, I'm glad that I finally saw this movie and can take it off my list. It is really an interesting found footage film that is presented in a documentary format. That worked for me, and I love how intricate the story is as well as how it fits together. The acting was solid across the board and helping with that realism, and I like the sound design that helps there as well. If I did have any issues, I do think that some of these people wouldn't be filming and some of the CGI doesn't necessarily work. This does run almost two hours long. I bring that up as I didn't notice it at the time, but I, I felt the dread just building to the climax. Not sure if this will work with a second viewing as well though but i am definitely curious about giving this a rewatch for me that after this viewing though i found this to be a good movie and i thoroughly enjoyed this one to be honest so my rating for norai the curse is a four out of five on the teaput scale and duncan for the next episode is an interesting one because it's one that i had on a list to see for quite a while and then i've actually seen it now i think twice since that initial viewing so definitely kind of interested to give this one yet again another rewatch in man bites dog can't wait to hear your thoughts on that one as well as to hear everybody else's thoughts on norai the curse this is david garrett jr and i am signing off and thanks so much to david for submitting in his review thanks to david and tim for their listener reviews of norai the curse and yeah, there's no more reviews for me this season. However, you guys have one job left before we pull the curtain over season two of Where to Begin With. That is your reviews of Man Bite Dog. That needs to be into me no later than Sunday the 28th of November. The final episode will drop end of the first week of December. So likely December 5th. So you've got three weeks to get that review into me. So Man Bites Dog review due in Sunday 28th of November. I want to thank everyone for their involvement, participation and hopefully you've enjoyed working through the movies as much as I did selecting them for this series. On the final episode, I'll be letting you know where we are taking where to begin with into 2022. I've already picked what my subject shall be and I'm just going to say super excited to get involved with it and I hope you will enjoy and join in with me too but until then wherever you are ladies and gents this is Duncan McLeish from where to begin with and I'll speak to you next time